1: This is Danny and Dusty.
2: Meringue-Tang is going to be a thing. You're not coining anything new.
1: With Danny Mering and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera.
2: All those of monkey sounds in there called good.
1: The old like Danny Mering pie. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. The Fan.
3: Good afternoon. Wow. Hey, welcome in, Danny and Dusty, out of the cage. And on location, we are at X-Golf Vancouver. It is the inaugural, the first annual X-Golf fan winter golf classic. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Ba-ba-ba. Down uh, in Tualatin as well, where Isaac and Suk are going to be broadcasting live at the Twalton X-Golf location. We are just about to get our rounds underway here in the noon rounds at both locations, north and south. We've got uh, th- we've got our crews. Cruise- some are pre-gaming um with their booze. Mm. We got some guys with Celsius, but you know what everybody has? Mm. Victorico's burrito.
2: Absolutely.
3: Uh, Victorico's brought out the breakfast burritos today. You have uh, the Pearl Catering Urban Restaurant Group providing food for our golfers today. You can't ask for much more. You're out playing hooky from work on a Tuesday. It's raining outside. This is the perfect day to be like, you know what? I I want to play golf. I don't want to be outside. So you're right inside, and you're playing Pebble Beach. Historic Pebble Beach Golf Course.
2: Yeah, no, this uh, you really can't beat this. Uh, as a fat guy who loves food, uh, Victorico's burrito went down without breathing. Uh,
3: without breathing, you, you just, just inhaled, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, the the, the bacon might have gotten stuck on the way down, but we've, we've solved that problem.
3: You know, there are few things in life than a good hot sauce. Oh, the red, red sauce the red sauce is, is to so die for. good,
2: isn't it? Why is it so good? I don't understand. It's like I, they had, They literally brought a bag, like a yeah. grocery bag full of sauce. And I was like, hmm, this could go home.
3: You're not taking that <laughs> bag. Who do you think you are over here? just meringue out here taking the hot sauce bag with him. I will go, that, and, and you think of that. Condiments that are unique to a specific restaurant. Victorico's Red Sauce. Oh, yeah. Arctic Circle when they had the fry sauce. Oh yeah, Uh, at Arctic Circle, uh, uh, honey mustard at Red Robin. The honey again. I'm not a mustard guy, but it's but the honey mustard at Red Robin. You know, that's a good one. There are like it's a very short list, but if you have a ooh Arby's Horsey sauce. Yeah, 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 and Arby's and Arby's
2: sauce. Actually, both Horsey sauce and
3: and Arby's sauce. Yeah, both really good. It makes the difference, and it keeps me coming back. And you, 100% and you just the got
2: the full full swing of the uh, McDonald's sauces. Finally,
3: like I you had no
2: idea that there were other sauces.
3: No, no, just because I'm not a McNuggets guy. Mm. Ooh, Yum sauce from uh, Cafe Yum. You yeah. ever been there? Yep,
2: I, I, I have. Got a, those. I have a bottle of Yum sauce in my oh fridge. My gosh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that happened.
3: All right, so yeah, and here we are already are. It's lunchtime. You know, if you're playing in this, we got you covered. You're already done. But uh, P1 Rufio already in on the Vancouver Four Tech line five zero three eight six four six three two six. Victorico's red sauce on their pulled chicken chimichanga is the best.
2: Ooh, I haven't had a good chimichanga in a long time.
3: Chimichanga is just fun to say. It
2: is a fun one to say. It's also um, it's also an underrated move. You got to get through a lot of things though before I get to the chimichanga.
3: And just going down the list. Mm-hmm.
2: You get you get you know, obviously burritos, tacos, tortas, nachos. Like before, I get the uh, uh, little chili relleno. Before I get to the
3: chimichangas, enchiladas. I'm not gonna lie. I know I'm not alone in this. I get intimidated by big menus. Yeah, like the Cheesecake Factory is hell for me. Oh
2: yeah, my wife has the same thing. She gets kind of like frozen.
3: Yeah, you you like a good tight menu. Yeah, I just don't like. Give me the hits. Mm. I want I want the hits. To be fair. And to know it going to a place and knowing exactly what you want, there's no better feeling. It's like you, being a regular at a bar where the bartender knows your name. There you go. Have you ever been to
2: Cheesecake Factory and had something to eat and been like, I didn't like that. Uh no. See, that's kind of the thing. Like no. even though their menu's enormous, it's it's uh They are like Albert Pujols out there. They're they're out there just hitting homers. Yeah. It's you know it's it's a ten year run of just nothing but like that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll have more of
3: that. Yeah. Oh so uh Burgerville sauce also that's it that's Ooh, a yeah. that's a top sauce. That's they, a top condiment. Got,
2: they had one um that they launched with their sweet potato fries last yeah. year that was really good. Yeah. Uh God, I can't remember the name of it.
3: Well, if you've gone to like uh Helvetia Tavern or like the Carver Hangar there is uh, what they put on their their burgers, it's called goop. And mm. it's it's just mayo, mustard and relish. And that's basically what uh, Burgerville sauce is, but it's all about your ratios, right?
2: Yeah, you can't, the ratios, you can't skew it.
3: The ratios are different and the the one the goop out at Helvetia I'll, that is one that my dad loves telling the story. That came up That sauce was made by a guy who just lived across the street from the tavern, Just an old guy. Just some old guy. Nice. And now he was like, yeah, this is what I I put on my burgers, and then boom. That became the goop that everybody now knows is one of the best parts of the burger. Interesting. It's amazing, yeah. So my dad just dubbed him the mayor of Helvetia, which isn't a real town. But that guy was the mayor until he died. Helvetia
2: sounds like a town that's actually on Mount Hood.
3: Uh, no, it's on Hillsboro. Oh, it's on the middle of nowhere. But I mean it's like if you,
2: <laughs> if I if I told somebody Helvetia and they didn't understand like where it actually was. It's up to, it's, It sounds like it's right there with Boring and zigzag.
3: It's a, it's a be, because you think of it as a mountain name cuz it's a Swiss it's yeah. a Swiss name, you know? And nobody knows how to say it correctly until you actually go there. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. Right. Right. Helvetia. That exactly. Mm. People go and they say that all the time and It's as, right there with
2: Willamette and Tiggered.
3: Yeah, and you get very you know, defensive about your small rural town names. I like it. It's Aloha. one of the things. Can't screw up zigzag. Aloha is a big one. Yeah, it's yeah. Aloha. But I get that one because that's a that's a word that's <laughs> just been appropriated into a town name. Yeah, but also
2: we're <laughs> super white, so like we. It's Aloha.
3: <laughs> It's not Aloha. All Come right. X, uh, this is a long way of saying it. we're at X-Golf Vancouver. Yeah. We're, we're golfing. They're on. We got closest to the pin on the historic seventh hole, 92-yard par three. Mm. PGA players play that at 92 yards, like when they have a U.S. Open there. So that sounds like a hellscape. That uh, like Finding a club for that for professional golfers, that's got to be the hard part. But guess what? You're dialed in when you're on the simulator.
2: Have you seen you know? the – the latest trend that's been popping around, like uh, pre-golf tournament, they put a cell phone on a stick with a video camera on. They try to hit the cell phone with a camera on. What? Yeah, like like probably sixty yards out, fifty yards out. Yeah. And you've got pros trying to hit a phone like on a stick that's elevated like three feet tall.
3: Yeah, they can do that.
2: Well, it takes. I mean, even pros, it's taken guys like you know twenty, forty shots a piece before they. Eat. They actually hit it because when you think about it, it's really what two widths of a ball. Sure. So it's it's a it's a, it's a tight window.
3: They're so damn good, though.
2: Yeah, it's kind of nuts when you like their misses are like the ball just kind of turning yep. around it ever so slightly.
3: God, I feel like this opening segment, if the Vancouver Ford text line is any indicator, a lot of sauces. Yeah, we are going to have to sort this out and have like a sauce bracket. At some point, Ooh, in this, that might be this the sauce summer.
2: bracket. Well, I mean, hell, that might be the March Madness bracket. Sa- right
3: a, a sauce bracket may need to happen because, like, the bigs chicken Fresno sauce is Ooh. coming in from Spartan Bro. P1 Ivy with the Red Robin campfire sauce. Like, there's just a lot of great sauces. Fire out
2: there. on the Mountain,
3: their wing sauce. I feel like that's a, but that is a key. That's like a main ingredient. Yeah, but they have that's like, a main ingredient. But they do have
2: different versions. Like they they've got like their peanut. They've got their bazillion chili. Uh, lime or whatever it is, um,
3: they've got they've got a bunch of them. I, I'm I'm a, I go against. I, okay. I, they are sauces, but I push back on that because of the fact that that is what makes the wing, right? Okay. I okay. mean, we're we're talking what ex- accentuates the actual product. I think some people would argue that
2: the dry rub makes the wing, makes the wing. But you know,
3: I think that you but may this, be onto something. This also now. excludes. You may, hey, you can talk
2: me out of this. This also excludes the wing stops and, and B dubs of
3: the world. <clears throat> All right, we are already uh hole number one, it's it's already underway here. We got all the crews are on on the course now. Everything is going off without a hitch. I can't wait to see the shankopotamus. We have too many guys that are just piping it down the middle. These simulators, I see too many straight lines coming out there. There's there's a lot of polos tucked in and a lot of belts. This is going to be, it's going to progress into something getting a little sideways, but uh, right now it appears that we have some decent golf being played, so it'll be interesting to see who earns the free lesson for taking last place Mm. and which one comes out on top. (laughs) We already have a group over there. Yeah, we we got the last place group over here. We are—they're already staking claim to it over there. What, what they
2: don't know is the surprise that's waiting for them is I'm going to take a hold of their stick at one point in time during this round and completely
3: root it for them for each team. For the bad team, no, I think no, you're going to help them. No, for every team here, <laughs> yo, you're going to be taking just, yeah, just the taking Danny Meringe celebrity shots yeah, out there. Yeah,
2: just one for everybody.
3: Here we go. It's Not happening. Let's get yeah. it. All <laughs> Put right, the so fear in you. we will have uh, some radio that we're going to be doing today too. P. Harris yeah. is in the building. Patrick Harris is here. The Patrick Harris. Uh, maybe we need to get a uh, spring training update from P. Harris mm. at some point, and a jersey update, precisely. yeah. I want to know his thoughts on, uh, you know, Ballgate going on with uh, baseball. And we're not talking about juice balls anymore. Well, no, we're talking about the pants that are now see-through and how big of a deal this, this actually is with our baseball insider, Patrick Harris. He is our mm. show's baseball insider. That's true. I mean, he's, he's the, the host of the Hot Corner, for God's mm. sakes. He's got to be. He's got to be. Do um, you think he's fielding grounders already? I don't think he's feeling grounders. I think what he's doing is he's having some some stiff cocktails these days and watching Washington State Cougar basketball and watching Kyle Smith. We,
2: we call it a sorta.
3: That's it. That is a Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> a little pasta with the with the red sauce. All right, we're underway. Let's uh, let's get the sports portion of this program ready yeah. to go. Combine officially underway in Indy. We already got some fireworks, fellas. Some spicy comments from coaches and GMs, and uh, day one of taking the podium in Indy. This is Danny and Dusty live from X Golf Vancouver. It is the inaugural. Fan Golf Winter Classic at X-Golf Vancouver and X-Golf Tualatin. If you're in the area, come say hi to us from noon to three up here in Vancouver. Isaac and Sue broadcasting live from three to seven down in Tualatin's location. We're out and about. Come say hi, folks. uh, Everybody loves a good gallery. We can turn this into the Waste Management, for God's sake. We can make this really tough on the people. Mm -hmm. And There is a muddy hill back behind us, so we could replicate what was going on at 16 at the Waste Management. If you we'll make it cut off here and then you can just go and do a nice little belly slide down the hill in the mud here I like it Danny Dusty on 1080 The (sighs) Fan
0: Spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds shades and shutters We even have options for your patio too Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Live from X-Golf Vancouver and the fans' Winter Golf Classic, this is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan.
3: Danny Dusty live from X Golf Vancouver, where we've got the first annual Fan Winter Golf Classic. Uh, the competition is fierce. Uh, we're starting to see. I see a couple guys going in the woods now, which is very relatable. It's good to see you can get out of there. Nice easy lie, especially when you're on a simulator and everything's out of the, off turf.
2: I love that when you're buried under a tree, the simulator throws yep. up. Rough,
3: rough. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> in case you weren't aware, it's you're in the rough. Well, you can't see a foot past your face, but you're in the rough. They do need you to knock sure. you
3: down a peg. I like it. You've got to be yeah. knocked down a peg. It's got to be like, hey, you know, the lie is going to be okay here, but it's a little reminder of where you're at, bud.
2: You can, you can always improve your lie digitally. <laughs>
3: Winter yeah. rules. Angle over, angle over, angle mm-hmm. over. But well, we are here in uh, Vancouver and Twalton. Uh, Prime time with Isaac and Souk. They're going to be live from Twalton three to seven. We got you here from noon to three. So if you're in the area, stop by P One Rufio. Just stopped by. Indeed, he is. He has made an appearance. He's given the tip of the hat. So uh, you come by too. It's always good to see all, all of our listeners hang out and have a great time. We've got the combine underway in Indianapolis, and now the Underwear Olympics. They don't get on field action until tomorrow. We yeah, don't start any of the on field stuff until tomorrow.
2: Boo. All of that boo because I'm used to throwing on the T V in the background yeah. and letting the underwear Olympics run throughout the day, all throughout the week.
3: Actually, I don't think they get underway until Thursday. Thursday with on yeah, on field workouts start Thursday with the defensive lineman and linebackers. All
2: because of money and they're selling weekend tickets, man.
3: Well yeah, they're selling tickets because whomp, they whomp. want they can. Boo. They can so dumb, and so they, they're going to televise it. It's uh, prime time, me. and they got the 40s going on on Saturday with the running backs, quarterbacks, and wide receivers. Um, it, which is that, that that's smart, by the way. But this is where the NFL they just kind of dominate the news cycle and continue to do it. And today, really, more so than gosh, any year that I can remember. The first day where everybody's front and center and you have every head coach, GM taking the podium. All the movers and shakers. We have got more shots fired Mm -hmm. and newsworthy quotes coming out of the opening day of the combine than ever before. Like, there's this openness and honesty that you have coaches and GMs talking with that I have, I can't remember this many.
2: Yeah, no. uh, You know, we'll, we'll talk about where things stand with Russell Wilson, we'll, you know, talk about where things stand with. Justin Fields, Justin Jefferson. I mean, the the number of of, of the, the Raiders came out and, and declared Devontae Adams is not available to be traded. Like you're you're hearing a lot of uh, saber rattling across the league,
3: but it's one part posturing, sure, and the other part is there's a lot of honesty go, mm-hmm. going on. And you know, you take Raheem Morris, who's just hired as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. And he was asked about the quarterback position in Atlanta. And this is like the honesty, that blatant and bluntness that we have not heard at Combines in the past.
1: If we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. (laughs) I
3: mean, we all knew Desmond Ritter wasn't the guy and that they weren't going to move forward with Desmond Ritter. But for... A head coach to just come out and say, like, Guys, there's a reason why I'm here. Who Arthur knew that- <laughs> Smith would still be the coach if we had better quarterback play.
2: Who knew Raheem Morris was down further on Desmond Ritter than even me?
3: But I think that where we kind of see that is all of this conversation of, all right, is Atlanta going to be a team that wants to go and make a move for Justin Fields? Well, absolutely, they're going to be in that conversation. Because they're going to at least check in. You're, you're going to want to see if Fields is available. You're going to want to see if the number one pick is available or the number two pick or the number three pick and, and see if you can move up.
2: The Falcons are an interesting one. Everybody keeps talking about the commanders moving up. The Falcons already have the weapons.
3: They just need the They just they need, just the, need general. the
2: quarterback, you know what I mean? Like that, that's the one to me that nobody really talks about moving up to number one, and they do have a top ten pick to work with.
3: They are They are sitting at eighth right now, and so the ability for them to move up is... Is there? It's going to take a whole hell of a lot of capital, sure, because you may have to part with one of those weapons mm-hmm. in order and multiple first round picks. I heard Albert Breer say today he it's not out of the question for something to for five first round picks to be heading Chicago's way for Justin Fields. Now it's not just for Caleb Williams or for Kay, for Caleb Williams. What did I say, <laughs> Justin Fields. For, no, <laughs> Justin Fields. But he also said that Fields is going to garner. Either a, a second in a fifth, or two picks, two picks, and one of them being day two. Oh. And there is more and more smoke to Justin Fields garnering a second round pick and additional picks outside of that. Like I said, I'll because the you're see it. desperate for you, you. It's the most important position in sports. Yeah. and if you do, if you have a a Desmond Ritter, you. We'll get an upgrade with a guy like a Justin Fields.
2: Even if the upgrade isn't tremendous. I mean, the gap between Fields in the very top and the gap between Ritter and Fields, which is wider?
3: Uh, Well, Fields in the very top, because I think that gap between Mahomes and everybody else, it's exponential. I mean, and that includes Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, all of those I guys, mean, like let, it is that go, gap is massive. Let's
2: go fields to that second group. I think which is which is wider, fields to that group or fields to fields to
3: Ritter, to Ritter is wider. Fields so to like, Ritter is wider than that second fields to that second tier. Is he close? No, but Desmond Ritter was <laughs> awful. awful.
2: And the I mean, thing is, they, like the the improvement would be there. I'm not arguing that at all, but I. I I tend to I, I lean towards if you're going to liquidate assets for somebody the the growth has got to be more real than that
3: yeah we so we know now with Atlanta Raheem Morris he's saying. <laughs> Yeah, we need to. Yeah, our quarterback's going to be a change We're in the quarterback market. We know that the rumblings out of Pittsburgh for months now have been, they're going to be looking, they're going to be hunting. Mm -hmm. You have Kevin O'Connell today saying that they want to re-up with Kirk Cousins, and he feels that Kirk Cousins wants to be there, and they want to make that happen and reunite. But you have an aging quarterback coming off of an Achilles. Don't think that they're not going to kick the tires on, on somebody else or if a team like Atlanta goes we'll just give you more money Kirk come down and and you can be in Atlanta if they don't want to make a move to trade for a Justin Fields or trade up in the draft um, and then there's the Denver Broncos the peculiar case of the Denver Broncos mm. which I find really interesting in that Russell Wilson went on the I Am Athlete podcast he, he talked about how he felt like you know essentially he got thrown under the bus by the team but then also said, I want to stay in Denver and I want to win two Super Bowls over the next five years with the Denver Broncos. Hearing Sean Payton talk, I'm not quite sure that he's on the same page.
1: I, I, I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there's a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks' names with a cross through it, you know, and, and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid and... I, You know, our our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it.
3: This next one.
1: Yeah,
2: that um, that sounds like that decision has been made, let let alone uh, any kind of combine evaluation slash discussion with other GMs and decision makers and evaluators across the league. This next one implies
3: he gone. And that's an eighty nine million dollar Just salary dump and cap hit over the next two years that they are going to have to eat. It's a flaming baby diaper. That is, but this is where, when you have the cap jump $30 million in Mm -hmm. one year, they're not in a good situation financially. So just get it
2: over with now.
3: They may not even be looking at it as they find their quarterback this year. Mm -hmm. They may be looking at it as we take it in the shorts this year. We let Russ go and play the league minimum somewhere else. And then we move on from we there. We get our books say, right. All right. Let's reset. Let's get a, the, the top quarterback in next year's draft. And then and trade forward. for Kyler Murray. This is – there's something in that Sean Payton quote, though, that we don't think of Denver in this regard, how many quarterbacks they just turn out and how many times they've failed. Because they have not been inept at that position. They had John Elway. Mm-hmm. They had Brian Greasy, Jake, Plum, uh, Jake Plummer, Jay Cutler, Peyton freaking Manning. But when you look at the guys that they've run oh, through. Oh, I didn't hear Tim
2: Tebow in there, sir.
3: To playoff quarterback Tim Tebow is in there. Think of the quarterbacks that they've run through. Oh, it's a list. It looks, it looks like the Browns. I will. This is just from 2017. Oof. 2017, so seven seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon, Brock mm-hmm. Osweiler. Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippin, uh Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson. God, Teddy Two Clubs was in
2: Denver? Why do I not remember that?
3: Jarrett Stidham. And, oh, by the way, remember during the COVID season when they lost all of their court, their entire quarterback yes. room? Yes. They started a running back, Philip Lindsay, mm-hmm. at quarterback to make it 13 quarterbacks in seven seasons. Is that good? That is god-awful.
2: I mean, that, that's Browns-esque. That's that, like post-Tim Couch Browns.
3: That is where <laughs> the the Denver Broncos, and we just sit there and we don't think about the dysfunction and the turnover at that quarterback position. 13 guys in seven seasons will tell you it ain't right. And guess what? They're going to move on from Russell Wilson. It'll be 14 in in eight seasons. And who knows how many guys they end up starting in, in 2024. I because mean, because they're probably not going to find the guy this no, year because you' rotated to the cap
2: yeah it's going to be a rotating door and you know you, you kind of start to realize why the family wanted to sell the team, the instability
3: I think that created it though yeah I mean when when their owner got sick, he mm-hmm. was dying, he was getting old. It and was like
2: family fighting over infighting. it.
3: Infighting. Yeah. And that's where that dysfunction at the top, it trickles all the way down. And you see that stability that you need at the yeah. top. Hell, I mean, in any organization, mm-hmm. like, this is that trickle down from ownership on down to the bottom because when did the Blazers really start becoming a little bit of a mess? When Paul Allen got sick, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden they became a power vacuum, and who sees control of it? Yeah, there you go. Neil O'Shea. Yeah,
2: and he did. when when 2017 is when Paul wanted to make changes, and he didn't because oh, you had guys go to Batford. Uh, Dane went to Batford Terry, and then you had these situations where the next two years, next year, Paul's his illness just advanced rapidly, yep. and Neil took control, and then steer off the skids, and then 2021, bye.
3: <laughs> see ya. Bye. See ya. All right, but we could see, we, we now know, and this is the thing about Combine coming out. We know Atlanta's going to be a player in the quarterback market. We now know Denver's going to be a player in the quarterback market, whether that is allowing Russell Wilson, and by buying him out, allowing him to hit the free agent pool and become... It, 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 and he will be a valuable target for teams.
2: Look, if it's not being paid $50 million a year, he's a viable, above average ding, ding, replacement ding, ding, ding. level quarterback.
3: That's like, 100% correct.
2: And, and if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have had nothing but just flaming bags of dog poo since Ben Roethlisberger, just viable quarterback play probably wins them two and a half games more.
3: Probably. Like, yeah, their their roster has not been a, a complete disaster. No,
2: like they make sense, and if they just have a quarterback who's not terrible, and that's the problem is their quarterback play has been terrible.
3: Yeah, we're gonna see a lot more teams become more active, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show. But the Chicago Bears are finally starting to show their hand at a timeline for decision at the quarterback position. We are live from X Golf Vancouver, the first annual. Fan Winter Golf Classic is underway. The players are playing Pebble Beach right now. Uh, and we're going to be here heckling and cheering on as, as the day goes on. Mostly heckling, though. I'm going to circle, do a lap. Well, I want to do my lap when they get to the seventh because mm-hmm. I want to see the shanks on seven there. The, 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 the par three, the, the the picturesque hole, we need to get mm. boots on the ground. And we'll have our reporter our, our roving reporter is Patrick Harris. Mm. He will come back and he will give us an update of uh, the good, the bad, and mostly the ugly from the first annual Fan Golf Classic at X Golf Vancouver. Uh, is everybody is finishing up their victory it goes burritos? We got Pearl Catering and Urban Restaurant Group feeding all of our folks out here. We're having a great time at X Golf Vancouver party with us. Let's talk a little NBA because mm. you have been all over the officials all season long, Dan. I have. Last night. Did we reach the tipping point? Mm. First is Rust with SportsCenter.
0: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi view mode, and catch up with in game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre and post game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: Live from X-Golf Vancouver and the fans' Winter Golf Classic, this is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan.
3: All right, stop me if you've heard this before. Danny has been upset on the internet. <laughs> And one of the big reasons why he's been upset on the Internet lately is because of the continual poor officiating in the NBA.
2: It has been an abject disaster, and it's, it's not just me whining and complaining about it. It's a real problem for the NBA. I have talked to players. I have talked to front office members. I have talked to coaches across the league. Not a single one of them has been like, yeah, no, officiating's in a good spot it's it's not it's in a terrible spot the transition of the veteran official either out of the league or to the to the nba kind of front office training center and the lack of veteran officials replacing those vacated spots has caused a real issue like it was like well scott foster's a veteran official yeah but everybody knows he sucks like that's accepted we all know why do we accept that? I don't know. I'm, as, <laughs> I'm assuming he has bodies buried or blackmail on Adam Silver well, because everybody knows he sucks, and yet somehow the league says he's one of our highest graded officials, and I'm like, are you grading on how much he sucks? Because in that case, yes. But there are officials that are out there that are actually solid, like Zach Zarba. When you see him on the crew, and you're like, thank God, because you know what you're going to get, and that's the biggest thing is consistency. Yeah. Because even if guys just are not great officials – if they're consistent in what they're calling, whether they're too calling too much or they're calling too little, you just know what to expect. That's a huge part of it. The second part of it is the relationships. You can't talk to officials anymore. And everybody says, well, the players, they go after them. They, they, they're, they're, they're rude to them. They, you know, they, they cuss them out. And I'm like, have you seen them try to talk to them earlier in the game and they're told to shut up? <laughs> Have you seen that part of it? Because I'm sitting there. So here's the interesting thing. So when I go to remix games, I sit directly behind the remix bench. And I can hear head coach Jim Moran have conversations with officials. And those officials, there's a couple that are training and working their way up. And then there's a lead NBA official that's usually with them traveling at the same time. And the way the lead officials talk to Jim versus the way the young officials talk to Jim, I'm surprised he doesn't rear back and knock him out. It's really, the level of just attitude and disrespect and angst that they have towards him versus the veteran official, like they come out, they come at him with their chest puffed out, like they, they are looking to be agitators and instigators, and they don't know how to diffuse a situation. They don't know how to comfortably talk to guys, and you can just see it. And I, then I see it on the NBA level, and I go, "Oh yeah, this is a problem, night in, and night out."
3: But I, I feel like that is part of the evolution, the growing process of being an official mm-hmm. because every single one of these officials from day one when they take over, it's do not let them walk all over you. Yeah. And you. we had this problem where the old complaint about NBA officiating was – they're too old. We got these curmudgeons. They've you, been around too long. You got the Dick Bavetta's,
2: and the Joy Crawford's. We the need world.
3: new blood. Mm-hmm. Well, they got the new blood, but it all came at once. Yeah. And that's the problem. And and so they're been smoothing a, this out. There's
2: been a gap. There isn't as many of the 15 year guys, the 10 year guys. There's just a ton of the six year or less guys. What's the ironic part of this is you had the Knicks game last night where you have an egregiously terrible missed call by a veteran official where Asar Thompson is tackled. He is chop blocked. I'm waiting for the running back to hit the hole on the backside, by the, the virtue of the chop block that was put on, and they just it's it, and it's not like oh the ref didn't see it. It's directly in front of him, and this wasn't end of game let it go kind
3: of stuff. And James Williams, who is a veteran official, he's a crew chief. Years. He admitted after the game, look, I missed it, I blew it. I actually. Applaud him for saying that it's and doing that. the third time
2: in the last month that they've had a pool report official admit to an egregiously blown
3: call. But this comes down to the Knicks won a basketball game, 113-111. And Blazer fans, you should be mad at this outcome. Because every sure, win for the Detroit the Pistons, the Pistons up a little bit. is a good thing for Portland. Yeah. But Monty Williams, after the game, took the podium. And you can hear the frustration of a guy who's only won eight games all season long and feels like one more opportunity was stripped from him
1: the absolute worst call of the season no call and enough's enough we've we've done it the right way <clears throat> we've called the league we've sent in clips we're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again we had a chance to win the game <clears throat> and the guy dove into Asar's legs and there was a no call that that's an abomination You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called. Period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game. And that was not fair. I'm done.
2: The fine has not been pushed out yet, but he's going to get fined for that. But I'm telling you right now, that is the same sentiment that is echoed by team after team after team. The number of executives that I've talked to, like we've sent in film. And that's normal. For teams to send in film regularly, like, hey, you know, what? how, how is this not being called, or how did this get missed? We've already had two protests this year, both the Blazers and the, was it the next, the other one?
3: Uh, I don't know.
2: There was another protest that was just before the All-Star break um, that I believe they actually are pressing forward with, um, but... It's just – it's become a, a, a complete okay. disaster Well, piece. what is
3: the fix then? I mean, because, like, this is different than officials not being able to take criticisms or quick tease and the immaturity. This is, this functional is officiating. You have seen actual blown calls mm-hmm. of, of plays that – that was 100% a foul on DiVincenzo. Like, yeah. he, he he went – like, he was topping a sore Thompson. He yeah. was, like, bear crawling his way and took him out at the legs. How do you fix this? Because one thing is officiating isn't perfect, and we should never expect officiating to be perfect. But does the NBA now need to open up the idea of, all right, things like this can be viewed under an expedited review if we want to get it right?
2: Yeah, and not only that, I, I know of multiple owners who are already and have for years wanted to tear down the structure of the referees in the NBA for quite some time. Uh, Mark Cuban has, has been adamant about that. I've actually had discussions with him about that over the years, and I think we're reaching a precipice because everybody's like, well, why isn't Adam Silver doing anything? Because Adam Silver, again, works for the owners. It needs to get to a place where the, the owners have overwhelming force to make that change because what people probably don't know is those refs are unionized. They are an entity unto itself. So you would have to dissolve that union and break it down and, and completely break away from them and start new, which I think they need to do. I think they completely need to burn it to the ground and start from scratch. Now, you can bring a lot of the same officials in, but I think that the, the the relationship, the trainings, the understandings, the goals, everything need to be realigned, but they also need to bring in new blood.
3: I mean, it's easy, and that's a really difficult thing to do. I mean, oh, I think it's, you're it's gonna right. Take, it's going to take years to fix. But I think that if you try to dissolve the officials' union, they're going to fight back on that in every way mm-hmm. imaginable and say... No way are you going to be take because that is the whole purpose of the union. They want to protect the jobs of the officials yep. and protect the officials' work rights, right? And they're going to say the reason why you want to dissolve us is so you take away a lot of those work rights, which, yeah, that's what the NBA is going to be trying mm-hmm. to do, and we may see it get worse before it finally gets and better. And the thing
2: is they won't make this move until after the new TV deal.
3: Yikes. All right. Well – Hopefully they, they get it right, and maybe one of these protests will will be successful. I doubt it, though. We had a text Vancouver Ford text Line, 503-864-6326 It's Vancouver Ford text Line. Uh When is the Blazers? Um, they they asked when is the Blazers protest going to be resolved? The and Blazers did, did they, not officially they, file it. They, they
2: what? They pulled it. It it was a it was a it was a PR stunt. That's what it was. It was not a PR stunt for the Blazers, but it was a PR stunt for to the league of. A, because you're not going to win that protest.
3: Well, no, you're not going to win the protest. So there's no reason with pushing it. The so party. they just didn't want to f- pay the money because the whole thing was, we're going to file the protest. And that was like, you know, Jody Allen was going to pony up some money in a, in a knowing losing effort because it cost, what, 10 grand to file the protest? Yeah,
2: but th- that also in filing that protest, that probably behind the scenes is going to make the uh, league uh, take a look at some technicals. And possibly rescind some technicals on players or coaches, or if nothing else, uh, the technical still stands, but the fine is no longer there. Stuff like that happens behind the scenes that um, will not get reported. Yeah, because the league doesn't want to <laughs> They don't. They don't want to admit to anything there. Right. Um
3: So they're never yeah. going to win it.
2: But no, that no, that one they weren't going to win. But the one that happened just before the All Star break, I believe, did officially get filed. Okay. So I, I need to double-check. I can't remember the team, but I think there, there's real juice to it there because the, the way the procedure went was incorrect.
3: When somebody tells you they definitely were not fired, I think we can read between the lines next on The Fan.
1: Live from X-Golf Vancouver and the fans' Winter Golf Classic, this is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan. So
3: something slipped under the radar. Just like a nice little news dump over the weekend. Oh, no way. Eric Biennemi has been hired as the offensive coordinator and associate head coach at UCLA. Mm. Stepping away from the world of the NFL, and going back to college, where he, he was a coach at UCLA, uh, I think in 2005, 2006-ish. And then we remember he was the offensive coordinator for John Embry at Colorado before going to the NFL and linking up with Andy Reid in Kansas City. So he does have college roots and college connections. But everybody was saying, well, hold on. How does this guy who was the hot name and everybody was so upset that he was not getting head coaching jobs, how is he now an offensive coordinator at the college level, not even the NFL? And not even that,
2: at the college that currently doesn't have anything figured out is going to the Big Ten, just hoping and praying that they don't completely fall off the rails.
3: And why didn't he go back to
2: his alma mater?
3: At Colorado? Yeah. Probably because Dion's already got his guy, you know? And I don't – I think maybe a little bit of the allure for working for Dion He's wearing because uh, – wearing a little thin because, if you notice, the turnover of his staff has been quite abundant, Which whether I mean, it was by his choice or by the coaches just deciding to leave.
2: That runs alongside with the enemy, though. Mm-hmm. He's He's pretty turnover-prone right now.
3: Well, he's a guy that – look, remember, there's a – damn near a mutiny in Washington mm-hmm. because of his style and just his overall red assery, but he made sure to let everybody know he was not fired by the Washington Commanders. This is an email he wrote to Pete Thamel and Adam Schefter. I have no regrets with the Commanders. Contrary to what some think and what has been put out in the media, I was not fired. I actually just chose not to stay. Learned a lot, and that's always a good thing. I will continue to walk in my peace. I'm excited to be here and to coach these young men in football again. My expectations and desire to be excellent will never be turned down. I'm fired up. Let's go. You know, there's the old, a. I definitely wasn't fired, guys.
2: No, the one of my favorite, and I mean not, not just me, but very many people, <laughs> their favorite accounts on Twitter is at Drill, and this is from 2014. And another thing, I'm not mad. Please don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> It's a wonderful, wonderful tweet that you can use pretty much every single one of these instances because it's, I didn't get fired. Please don't say that I got fired. I definitely did not get fired. I'm not not fired. I I promise you, if you have to say it that many times, you got fired.
3: Yeah. The head coach of this UC, and you mentioned it, it's a UCLA team that is in disarray, right? Chip Kelly, he leaves to go become Ohio State's uh, offensive coordinator, leaves a head coaching role to go be a coordinator. They end up going hiring Deshaun Foster, who was a former UCLA running back and was running back's coach for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for, what, two and a half weeks? Then he goes and he hires enemy, which, look, I think if you're a UCLA fan, with the way this last month and a half has gone, you got to be excited about enemy being your offensive coordinator. But then again... Look at how they did at Colorado when he had to be a lead recruiter. Mm -hmm. Look at what the biggest issues are facing him and his quest to become a head coach. It's he is not relatable. It's the
2: people management stuff. And it
3: is interviews have not gone well with him. That is basically what you're doing and every time you sit in a home with a high school kid and his family is you're doing a job interview. Mm-hmm. They're interviewing you as to why they should trust you with their kid and why should they should go. And if you're at a school like UCLA where your NIL collective isn't necessarily pulling in the, the same direction and you don't have a ton of money to work with – I don't know if UCLA is going to have any sort of uptick in the recruiting department.
2: Yeah, no, and that's the thing is, I, I think this is. I mean, you're, you're casting out. You're not using the power bait here. You know, you're 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 using what you can find, and whatever hits the line, you're hoping it sticks. I mean, that's that's the kind of you know fishing, so to speak, that UCLA is doing right now because they just don't have anywhere else to go.
3: UCLA is basically doing what they just did before. They brought in a great offensive mind who has his issues as a recruiter and their funding still isn't where it needs to be to compete in the Big Ten. I mean, Chip Kelly can coach football. Yeah, we all know that. Eric Bieniemy can coach football. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the recruiting, yeah, and that's the lifeblood of your program. Which and- is
2: why they went and got a, a guy at, a, at, a, at the alumni spot who, who understands the program, understands the history, understands what it means to play there and that's what they're betting on. Now, whether or not he can be a head coach, I don't know.
3: but I'll tell you what, they will win games because they have coaches that know ball. They know football just like UCLA did this past year. Big 10 Conference championship odds were released. Mm-hmm. UCLA 80 to 1 to win the Big 10. <whistles> Wedged right in between Nebraska and Wisconsin, which I think mm. that that's the that's kind of the comp of of where yeah. they are, yeah. that's a that is a sweet spot of the Big of where Red UCLA of the Pac-12, is, where you have great history, rich tradition. Mm-hmm. You have not lived up to the expectations of of your alumni or your fan base, and now you're trying to scratch and claw your way back up into it. And By the way, Ohio State five to four. They're plus one twenty five to win the conference. Oregon plus two twenty five. Michigan plus four fifty. USC twenty five to one. And Washington. Fifty to one odds to win the Big Ten in their inaugural re- year. There, uh, behind Maryland and Iowa. Yeah, it
2: turns out when half your roster leaves for the NFL, it's tough to replace.
3: I've read that. Mm. I've read that. Yeah, math. But I think it may. I find that in the yeah. Oregonian somewhere. You know, mm. the paper of note. <laughs> All right, hour number two, uh, we get underway live from X-Golf in Vancouver. It's the first annual Fan Golf Classic Winter Edition. And uh, we'll give you the update with our roving reporter. uh, P. Harris is in the building. This is Danny Dusty on the fan.